For those of us in the Methodist tradition or who are Wesleyans across the world and have been for uh, centuries, this is a special day. It's the 24th day of May. And on the 24th day of May in 1738, John Wesley had his heartwarming experience. Uh, we call it Aldersgate Day. And the Wesleyan movement was born in the uh, the Methodist revival uh, spread into this country and literally all across the world on this very day. But we also celebrate today is Memorial Day Sunday. Three times a year here at Lover's Lane, we are very privileged to honor our country and uh, to have kind of a patriotic flair. And today on Memorial Day, we remember those who have paid that ultimate sacrifice and who have fought and died for our freedom. For our freedoms here that we enjoy in the United States of America, and one of those freedoms is to worship, right? And we love the spirit that we have here in worship as we uh, remember today. We also want to honor those who've served our country and who serve our country even today. Uh, we love you and thank you so very much for your service. You know, we're in a very unusual time uh, here in our country uh, we recognize that more people have died in the past uh, three months from COVID-19 than died in um, Afghanistan or Iraq or Vietnam or Korea. All of those wars put together. So it's a time for us to be very mindful of sacrifices that um, have given to, uh, us a freedom here in this country and also those who are hurting right now as those memories, uh, we pray that the Holy Spirit will stir those memories in our hearts, um, those very, very special memories. Today we're continuing our sermon series that we entitled, Become the Gospel. And today, the last Sunday of this series, we're going to talk about the words of Jesus to become the gospel related to justice. So when we're talking about to become the gospel, we're talking about something very central to what it means to be Christian. To become the gospel means to grow into the person of Jesus, into those same qualities and approaches to life that he had. And of course, we only get there through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to become the gospel. Last week, we talked about mercy. This week, we talk about justice. And of course, we know that was God's call on our lives through the prophets as well as through the Son of God to be people who work for justice. You know, everybody sees Jesus from a completely uh, different angle, don't we? Or, or oftentimes we are recognizing in the Christian body of faith that people see Jesus differently. I'm reminded of George Buttrick's uh, cartoon you know, where he has there a moderator in this cartoon and then there's a long table and there are three men uh, behind this table. And one of these men has a long white beard and a white robe and looks so holy and uh, the next man in the middle has a crown of thorns pressed down on his head and he appears to be in agony as blood is dripping on his forehead. And, and then the last one has blonde curly hair and a very pointed nose. And the, and the moderator says, will the real Jesus please stand up? And you're reminded that people have different angles on Jesus and different understandings of Jesus. But one thing should be clear for all of us this morning that Jesus clearly spoke a word for we as Christians to be about the work of justice. 
I want to say that in our gospel accounts this morning, uh, we have four different accounts, four that are different, four that take different angles on Jesus, but all together uplift in a wholeness who Jesus was and who Jesus is to those of us who follow him. I want to give you an example. In Matthew, Jesus is the teacher of righteousness. We have in the beginning of Matthew's gospel, the fifth chapter, where Jesus preaches that Sermon on the Mount, right? And he talks about the things that make for righteousness. He talks about how we respond to God, how we respond to one another. He talks about the Beatitudes. And then in Matthew's gospel, at the very end of the gospel, uh, after um, Easter and, and before the ascension, Jesus gives his followers this mandate, this great commission to love, to love, to love. And then we turn to the Gospel of Mark. And in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is an exorcist. The the whole Gospel of Mark is really a play on, on, on Jesus, the power of God against the power of evil. And Jesus battling the powers of evil. Uh, Evil is even uh, what nailed Jesus to the cross in Mark's gospel. Jesus emerges from the tomb to continue that saving work against evil. He is the strong son of God who's loosed on the world to conquer evil. And then in John's gospel... John has a different take altogether who talks about Jesus really in a strong theological sense that Jesus has come to reveal God, that Jesus is the revelation of God. And in John's gospel we read, no one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made God known. And then today, in Luke's gospel, Jesus um, is a person who summarizes the person of a prophet. Of course, we know Jesus was more than a prophet. But that prophetic word that Jesus speaks with his actions really underscores who is a prophet. And and for Jesus, it was um, a prophet in the sense that, that, that he came to speak that word of justice. In in Luke's gospel, we we are constantly seeing the marginalized. The women take center stage. The Samaritans take center stage. It's a a word that speaks, a, a prophetic word of justice. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of prophet. Uh, maybe it's somebody with kind of a wild look in his or her eye and, and, and hair that's uh, very wild as well. And, 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 and maybe there's a sandwich board that says something about repent, the kingdom of God is, is, is coming, the world's coming to an end, whatever. And, and, and that's your view of prophet. And, and maybe the old radio preacher's view of prophet comes to mind. Uh, the radio preacher said, the truest test of a prophet is this. A prophet predicts the doom of the sinner. That's not at all the kind of prophet the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, was and is. Let's read now from Luke's gospel, the fourth chapter Um, beginning with the 16th verse. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, 
He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he, as he was accustomed. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you do at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there are many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up, for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to the widow of Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. What point's Jesus making? And when, this, when they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up and they drove him out of town and they led him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through in the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, it's interesting that when Jesus... Um, uh, finishes his message. The hometown crowd is pretty excited about the hometown boy. And yet when he starts pointing out how the prophets of old ministered to one from Sidon and one from Syria who were foreigners, who were Gentiles, it enraged them. And yet Jesus said, today this word is fulfilled in your hearing. You know, in this story we heard today, Jesus is a different kind of prophet, and I want to point this out. He stands squarely within the tradition of the prophets of Israel. That's what he's pointing out. In place of a sandwich board, Jesus has on a prayer shawl. Instead of screaming angry threats, Jesus reads scripture from the wonderful prophet Isaiah. Rather than standing on the fringe of the community, Jesus sits right down in the midst of the same synagogue that he grew up in. And there isn't the slightest hint of his eyes being wild or his hair being unruly. He issues no burning cry for repentance. Or, nor does he burden the people with some sort of message of shame and guilt. His role had nothing to do with his appearance. Rather, it had everything to do with his sense of timing. The prophet Jesus, the Christ, 
says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus could have said, yesterday the scripture was fulfilled. He could have turned the the hearers to a thought of yesterday, to the prophets of old alone. Looking backward holds a certain sort of appeal to us, doesn't it? It's It's a safer place. To believe God is in part and an act of memory, we recall everything that God has done for us in the past. We love the scripture, don't we? And we uplift the scripture, and the scripture speaks to us of of times of old. We, We remember the creation of the world in the Garden of Eden. We love that story. We remember getting out of slavery in Egypt and crossing the Red Sea and eventually into the Promised Land. We remember Jerusalem and, and, and Babylon and the returning home to uh, Jerusalem, which, which is, uh, again, the period of the exile when God saw fit for all of the children of Israel to come back home. We remember Bethlehem and Golgotha and the empty tomb. Uh, these are places, these are, are, are times in the past that mean so much to us in our faith today. And remembering is, in fact, an act of faith. We call this Memorial Day. We remember those who sacrificed, who paid the ultimate price for our freedoms. It's beautiful to remember. And yet Jesus didn't say yesterday. He didn't say in in the years past. He, He said today. You know, the experience of the stories of old bring us so much solace. But if all we're talking about is the past, then we need to have a soul reset into the present. For the gospel, become the gospel, calls us to the present. It calls us on an action today. Not just thoughts or memories of of yesterday. And you know, Jesus also didn't say tomorrow. You know, maybe we thought he'd say tomorrow the scripture will be fulfilled. We, we know that the kingdom of God is not yet here. And we know that there is a future that we look forward to. We even talk about the second coming of our, our Lord. But Jesus isn't turning our attention to tomorrow. He, he's not calling us to, to think and to dream only of a future where God would reign, even though we believe in that future and we hope for that future and we know that future will exist. Jesus calls us to today. You know, 20 centuries have come and gone since Jesus spoke that word uh, for the first time to the hometown crowd in Nazareth. And we know this world is still a mess. In fact, we could make a case for the world being in a greater mess than it's been in in a long time. And, And yet, We have that hope for the future. In fact, it's easy for us to go there to a day that's coming. It's easy for us, and we want to go there. You know, in the day of Jesus, they didn't tell these great stories of the past and the hope for the future and say, once upon a time, they they talked about when the Messiah comes, things are going to be different. But, But I tell you, we are not called by Jesus in this text about justice today to think about only tomorrow. We see a beggar on the street with hollow eyes and an empty cup, and, and we say, I'm sorry, friend, but someday the Messiah's coming. 
and to every person who has a, a, a special need or a disability, to, to one who um, is, is impaired physically uh, or, or mentally. We, we, we can't just say, you know, we're sorry you're in that condition, but there's a better day coming. The Lord is coming. To every prisoner who, who is incarcerated, who is beaten down by the shame and guilt of their, of their crime and wanting a, 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 a new start. We can't say, well, we're sorry you're in the state that you're in, but the, the, the Messiah is coming. To every parent in Jesus' day who had a daughter who was assaulted, assaulted by a Roman soldier, you, you couldn't just say, well, we're sorry that happened to your daughter. You can't say that when people are, are marginalized today, when people are mistreated today. You can't say that and say, but the Messiah's coming. We've got to live with this stuff now, but there's a better day coming. Jesus said today, He went to Nazareth in the synagogue right there in his home church. And he read that familiar passage from Isaiah in that surrounding that he was so accustomed to. He looked around the congregation and he no doubt saw people he'd grown up around, people he'd loved all of his life, uh, people he'd played with as a child, people who had been like a mother and a father, an aunt or an uncle to him. He opened the scriptures and, and he, he, he rolled that, that familiar scroll out and he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim the favor of God. Everything was familiar. Everything was predictable. And then Jesus hurled that word that shattered the status quo. He said, today. Not yesterday, not tomorrow. Today. This very day. The time has come. Today. The scriptures are Fulfilled. You know, I pause to remind us that today is a dangerous word. The past can be safe, at least we know how to deal with it. The future is coming and we can approach it with the most positive of hope. But today creates a hatred and an opposition that sometimes rears up on those who speak a word of the Lord. You know, a lot of people refuse to accept today as a day for anything. The chief reason? Because it reminds us. It reminds us... Um, of, of what we already know, of where we already are. And, and we feel so powerless, in essence, to change today. And yet that's where Jesus calls us to be. When Martin Luther King Jr. came preaching to the people in our country back in the 1950s and especially 60s, he did not say anything new. 
His words were based on the words of his Lord 2,000 years prior. And the words coming forth from the founding um, fathers of this country 200 years prior. Martin Luther King said, We hold it to be self-evident that all people are created equal. Dr. King looked out and saw people who were not treated as equals. He perceived others for whom this truth was not self-evident. And so he went from city to city and he said, Today is the day when we will take seriously our declaration of independence. And I dare say we as Christians today... We as Christians in the United States of America, we as Christians on this Aldersgate Sunday, this Memorial Day Sunday, can be reminded that what our flag stands for is liberty and justice for all. We have work to do, but the work is today. And we realize that when King said those words, the danger of speaking them, as gunshots rang out in Memphis, and this prophet was slain. Jesus said, today is the day. Today is the day that we have to change and to become the gospel of justice. It's a risky stand to speak the word of God. Some people don't like it. Some people think you're getting a political, even with no mention of party. We in this country, uh, all parties, should be about what this country stands for. Namely, justice and, and equality. When the prophet Jesus said, today this scripture is fulfilled, he turned memory into a mission statement. Do you hear me? He, he turned the, the memory of the past that, that the faith uh, foundation was, was laid on and he turned it into a mission statement of the present that would take us into a future where the kingdom of God is now and the kingdom of God is coming. He claimed in the beautiful poetry of Isaiah a, a new job description for all of us. The question, is today the day? Is this day really the day? Jesus said, I have come to preach good news to the poor. And what he said on that day is still the mandate for us today. To preach good news, but not just to preach it, not just to say it, but to be about good news to the poor. Well, that's noble, you might say, but does it say anything about us? Of course, it says everything about us. We who are called to become the gospel, we who are called to become Christ, we who are called by the Holy Spirit to, to demonstrate that love, we are called to preach good news to the poor. You know, it's not enough just to say, well, that organization will take care of it, or that organization will take care of it. And, and for the poor in our midst, maybe a couple of dented cans of corn at the local pantry is all we need to do. We were called today to be about justice. 
You know, a few days ago, we had our, our food ministry going on, and there was a car that pulled up to the food ministry, and, and uh, the car had a, had, a, had a sign in the window. I think we've got a slide of that very car. It's not exactly a brand-new Mercedes-Benz or anything like that, but the note is priceless. It says, thank you for your support of my family. Jesus said, I have come to proclaim release to the captives. You know, that's another difficult assignment because you can't proclaim release to the captives unless you're right there in the prison, in the jail. Where you can say directly to those who are in need, who a lot of them beaten down by shame and guilt, that our Lord has come to free you. And still others are captive uh, to, uh, to prejudice and, and, and to other sin that, that, that beats down and marginalizes. And we're called to proclaim release to the captive today. And Jesus said, I've come to proclaim new sight for the blind. For, for those with special needs, those who are blind, those who are deaf, those who have mental or physical di- uh, disabilities. We're, we're called to be with. We're called to an empathy that is in essence healing. And Jesus said, I've come to liberate the oppressed. Now wait a minute. You know, people get upset when you start talking about oppressed. We, we start thinking, well, that's, that's getting a little too political. That's stepping on some toes. It should step on all of our toes because we know there are people who are oppressed. And we are called not by any party, uh, not by politics. We're called by the risen Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit to be in the business of being a champion for the oppressed. Jesus said, I've come to proclaim the year of God's favor. You know, who would ever think that this year was the year of God's favor? That today could be a year of God's favor. This is the worst year I think I've ever experienced in my life. And many people could say that. And and yet we need to hear that word of Jesus ringing in our ear. Not just today, but this year is the year of God's favor. We are called today to be about the work that this year could be the greatest year of all of of reaching out to those who need to not only hear but experience God's justice. You know, today our our Wesley Prep uh, fourth graders have written another book. This is their fourth year in the Common Ground Experience to, to write another book. They've been working with some children, our fourth graders with children at a place called uh, Heart House and they've written a book called uh, Heart Words. Now these children at Heart House are resettling here into Dallas. They're refugees and and it's an educational program but the education that our children and their children experienced by their work for months together is priceless. Every single day there is a, a, a different alphabet a letter A, B, C, and so on and so forth. And, and, and it's meant to be read as a bedtime poem. Guess what it says about J? J is for justice and doing what's fair. When some are in need, others can share. 
and make sure that all people are clothed, fed, and warm. All children are educated, protected from harm. We should love one another so all can be free with access to every opportunity. One side should never weigh more than the other. You'll find joy when you lighten the load of your brother. From the mouth of babes. Today we stand ready and can't wait to be allowed back into the prisons where we can see those friends face to face as we have seen two times a week in three or four or five at one time different prison and jail units every week for 20 years. Today we long to get back to gathering as God's people in worship and seeing each other face to face and exchanging those warm handshakes and those hugs as is the hallmark of Christian fellowship. And yet we've been moved by the hugs that we've seen of the children. We've been moved by the work of the Wesley Prep fourth graders. We've been moved by the work that we've seen in our own children uh, uh, virtually as they continue to love one another in this place where all God's children gather from all over the world. So much diversity, so much beauty in our differences. We, We say loudly and clearly at our best, all are precious in His sight. And live into that truth. Today a a child has reminded us in, in a picture that she shared in a note that came to the church. The note has three flags. One flag is a Cuban flag. One flag of a Panamanian flag. And the other flag of course the U.S. And it reads Dallas. April 28, 2020, dear brothers and sisters at United Methodist Church, this is a short thank you note to show our appreciation for the work that you do for your community by providing food during these times. Please know that your love is not going unnoticed. Christ can be preached in many ways and you have chosen to do so by way of selfless service. Wow. And then she quotes scripture. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. With love and gratitude. Abe... Yanina, Carol, Isabella, and Gabe. I don't know any of these individuals. I doubt anybody at this church does. But I I can assure you this. That word of gratitude is coming from one who not only knows that that we are called to be in service here here at Lover's Lane, but, but, but she, no doubt a Christian, quoting 1 Corinthians She's also one who is in service to us because in her expression of gratitude, she has shown her love. For anybody who would follow this prophet of Galilee, 
For anyone who would name Jesus the Son of God, for anyone who calls themselves Christian and, and therefore a follower of Jesus, for anyone who knowing the truth to become the gospel is our call, may we be people who become the gospel of justice so that liberty and justice for all not only be our national mission, but be our world cause. Amen.